بی برنامه این رایمین کیمی سی سوری ور خنده سو خنانش فنیم یجنتی اگس نوتی شرطی اگشمتی انسانیری Welcome to the Coptic program on Radio 92.3 FM. The Coptic program brings to you the heritage, the art, the Coptic language and the Christian faith of the Coptic Orthodox Church. The Apostolic Church of Egypt, founded in the year 42 AD by St. Mark the Apostle. afternoon ladies and gentlemen boys and girls to another episode of Coptic Youth Radio program uh, in association with uh, CYC tuned in uh, this is uh, uh, we've been away for a long time uh, and uh, we're back for season two it's taken us a while but we uh, we managed to uh, get together again and if you notice on my left my name is Michael Risk and uh, on my left uh we have we're very uh happy to have a uh, another host with us uh for the uh, radio program end with tuned in uh Amanda Krolos hi uh, hello, hello Amanda um Amanda is uh very young she's 15 and she's currently in school uh and she's uh she's agreed to help us out with the uh, hosting and uh she's been really good she's uh taken everything on board and uh yeah Amanda won't you like tell uh the viewers and listeners a little bit about yourself like what got you motivated or involved or wanting to be a part of uh, CYC um well i've always watched um CYC um since i was young on um tv because my parents had the um the arabi tv and um mm-hmm. the CTV on and they always used to flick through and um make it like let me watch um CYC mm. and I always used to love watching um all the episodes and listening to all their um what they had to say about our church and the views behind the church yeah. and um that really interests me and made and motivated me to mm. be a part of this and and your dad was also a, a part of the Arabic program here yeah. at 3 triple z Um he used to read I think sermons or like like um stories at in the actual shows for um That, the Arabic Yeah show. yeah. Yeah. So it's come full circle now. He yeah. uh, passed it over to you and you're part of the youth now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for for our first episode, uh we we had a massive guest with us. Uh Amanda, do you want to tell them who we had? We had Abu Nadud Lamai with us. Um all the way from Egypt. Mm. And we uh we discussed with him uh who we discussed a little bit about him his background uh what motivated him to become a priest and uh how his life got him prepared to become a priest uh and uh, we also had a Q&A with him uh about cer- some certain like current affairs uh topics within the church so make sure to stay tuned for that and also we have our hymns uh and our regular hymns So yeah, make sure to stay tuned. Uh it's it was two parts, so this is going to be the first part and in the next episode we'll uh we're going to discuss him as well. We were very privileged to have him for uh more than one segment. He was very kind to offer us his time. So we uh we stay tuned for another for the next week's episode because uh we also have him on as well and we'll let you know uh a bit more about that later on. So stay tuned. Uh next you will see Abuna Dawudlami with Amanda and myself interviewing him. Save us 
sons and daughters Do you know that your baby boy Has come to make you This child that you And uh, we're back here on uh, Coptic Youth Radio Hour uh, in association with uh, CYC Tuned In. Uh, we are absolutely privileged and honoured to have uh, a very prominent figure in our Coptic uh, community in Egypt uh, and around the world, uh, Father Dawood Lami. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Father, for coming into the studio today. Thank you. Uh, really appreciate it. Uh, this is... Um, if you've been following the show, this uh, we've Abuna is one of our biggest guests, and uh, we're very honoured to have him. Um, thanks, Abuna. And I also joined with Amanda, my co-host. Uh, and yeah, thanks, Amanda. Thank you, uh, Abuna. We'll just um, for the maybe the people who don't really know you, uh, you're very popular in Egypt, but maybe for Australians, they might not know who you are. Um, what's, can you tell us a bit about your background, how you became a priest, uh, what led you uh, to become a priest, what motivated you, and yeah. I was a physician, a medical doctor for 13 years, and I was specialized in dermatology, skin diseases, and um, I was married and had two kids. Um, I used to serve in my church, St. Mark Heliopolis, Cairo, in many uh, services. I was a Sunday school teacher. I helped in servant preparation. And I also uh, was one of the disciples of Amba Musa in serving the youth. So I was uh, like the coordinator of St. Stephen family for medical students for many years. Um, so I got the call to be a priest many times after marriage. But, you know, um, in 1998, the call was from uh, New York. 
and his um, holiness late pop shenouda um you know he agreed to for me to be ordained in new york because all my family members are living there but when the youth of my church knew that i will be a priest away from the church they went to amba musa and pushed him to speak to his holiness pop shenouda so amba musa asked me uh, what exactly would i like to s- to serve in egypt or or in america so my wife and myself preferred to stay in cairo mm-hmm. so i was ordained 1998 as a priest in san mark heliopolis mm-hmm. and i stopped being a doctor since that time wow. <laughs> uh upon like did did you Did you always want to become a priest or did, was that a vision of yours or Yeah in my early um teen age time uh I imagined myself as a monk for many years and I enjoyed so much staying in the monasteries for few days so um after finishing my medical school Um, I was thinking to join one of the monasteries, especially Marimina. Um, but at that time, I got, um, I had to be an officer, um, soldier mm-hmm. in the army of, uh, of Egypt because that's the system. Yeah. So during this <clears throat> 30 months, more than two years, I started to change my mind because I found myself, I like to serve more than to stay praying the whole night. <laughs> so um, it wasn't my call to be a monk, but I felt the call to be a full-time servant. Mm. So although, um, thank God, I was a successful doctor and I had my master's degree in skin diseases, still my heart was in the service. Mm. So mm. Um, thank God I'm a priest <laughs> now. Yeah. <laughs> <coughs> um, you always seem calm and measured. Do you ever get angry? And what does angry look like to you? <laughs> yeah, sometimes uh, I got angry, but mostly from myself <laughs> because I wish to be better in everything. Um, I hate disorder. Sometimes our people in the church Uh, they do not like to be organized and to respect order. So this affects me, but I'm controlling myself <laughs> most of the time. <laughs> I think, I think uh, it's, it's, it might be like a culture. I think all Egyptians, yeah. they, they have <laughs> yeah, that. That's a, a common problem in our churches. Yeah. Do you have any advice for um, organization? Uh, I think for any priest, he should teach his people how to respect the order of the church and to be quiet during praying and to move very quietly and to stand in lines. And um, the the constitution or the rules of anything should be clear, should be there for any meeting. Um, because, you know, when we are organized and ordered, We can pray better and we can enjoy whatever the service. So I think any priest is responsible for this. And also we have to give uh, spiritual sermons about um, our God who made this universe in very organized way. So our God is a God of order. Um, I think uh, in your country it's it's easier because you know the culture he'll, here will help you to do this mm. yeah you make a very good point Bona. I never mm. thought about like God had everything in order we should make ourselves yeah. and pr- uh, look in front of others and uh, in our daily life we should have order as well mm. yes um, what is your dream or goal you are most driven to achieve do you have any goals Yeah, my biggest goal is to have a Coptic church seed in all the countries of the whole world, especially in Africa and Asia, 
because you know Asian people are more than 50% of the whole population of, on earth. But we don't have many churches there. So my dream is to evangelize the Coptic Orthodox faith to the whole world and to have at least one church, Coptic church, living and active uh, church in each and every country in Asia and Africa. Mm. Um, what life lesson would you pass on to Coptic youth worldwide? Do you have any lessons that they can take into consideration? Uh, <laughs> but, you know, many lessons, but one of them that um, no youth, no one will stay in the church if he has no role to do, if he is not responsible for something, if he's not serving. So I believe so much that service is the solution of many problems. And one of my books, the early books I wrote, is the service is the solution. Because I found out that any young man or young woman who couldn't find her place in service in the church would leave the church sooner or later. But for those who had responsibility and tasks in the church, they stayed and they make good families in the future. So that's one of the biggest lessons I learned, I, I love to deliver to everyone. Another important lesson that no service can succeed without the power of prayer. When we pray, we have the power of God. God is there to help us in whatever we do. But when we depend about, about, on our minds, our thoughts, our will, our knowledge, our career, our background, our experience, you know, usually we fail. Because to change anyone, to transform this world to, the, to, the, to, to be a big church for Christ, you need a miraculous power. It's not our power. And that's, you know, we cannot get without the power of prayer. Um, another important lesson that serving the poor is the shortest way to catch the kingdom of heaven. <clears throat> you know, 80% of all people living on earth are poor. And we can touch Christ in these people. And by serving them, Actually, we are doing a great thing before the eyes of God. And through them, we can catch the kingdom of heaven. So rich people are in severe need to help these people. Not the poor people are in need, but the rich people are in need for these people. Oh, thank you so much, Abuna. Mm. Uh, three lessons there, very important. Thank you. Uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, we'll just take a small break and we'll be back. A stranger, I lived in the world, a foreigner like my forefathers, a pilgrim in my attitude, in my thoughts and my desires, a
Back here again on uh, Coptic Youth Radio, uh, in association in association with Tuned In, um, we're joined with Abuna Tuhudlami. Thanks again, Abuna, for staying with us. Thank you, uh, Abuna. Will you you make good use of technology in all your sermons and all your talks. Um, how do you think? How how should the role of technology be used in the church? Is it so, can it is it sometimes? Um, a hindrance does it take away from the message being said or can we is it more useful and more powerful than the I believe it's more useful and powerful because you know um, in giving any lecture or sermon better for the people to see the verses um, by their eyes and not only listen to the words and also when we sing any song Maybe the books are not available enough, but the words on the screen and the music in their ears will help a lot to make this song dynamic and lively. Um, Also, you know, um, people now are very much into mobile phones and iPads and whatever. So we have to send these sermons and short videos um, and share them with millions of people. So the media and the technology is very important nowadays in the service. And when you look around, you can see the movie, the, the, um, when you see a very famous movie, uh, all the world can, you know, take the, um, the lesson or the meaning given in this movie. So if we one day can make special movies for our uh, orthodox face and very good in quality this will uh, will you know touch the hearts of millions of people that's a good uh, hand of preaching the word of god nowadays because in the early days we don't have this media or tv or movies or or electronics but these are like tools in our hands mm. to serve God better. Mm. Um, there's in in our church in Western world. We uh, how do we become more modernized and to be able to reach our brothers and sisters, our Australian brothers and sisters, but yet maintain our Coptic Orthodox heritage? I believe so much in evangelism because, like ten years ago. Amba Bohomius, His Grace Amba Bohomius, pushed me to start thinking of evangelism. I went to Sudan and then I visited many African and Asian countries. And we started in our church, St. Paul's School for Evangelism. And thank God, uh, with the help of a good teach, group of good teachers, nowadays we have like 1,500 graduates of this school of evangelism, uh, and many of them were uh, consecrated 
to serve evangelism in Africa and Asia. Some of them were ordained as priests. So the Coptic Church should think of this evangel missionary movement because we are a very powerful church. Historically, we had a big part in evangelizing the word of God to the whole world. Nowadays, we have um, many more chances than before because we have uh, strong churches in Australia, in Europe, in America, in Canada. So these churches should think of delivering the message of salvation to the outsiders of the church, not only to the people of the church. And let me tell you that most of the people around the churches, they, they are hungry, they are thirsty to know God and because they are suffering without God. They don't have a purpose in their life. They feel empty. So when you speak the orthodox face, they feel the richness. And many of them um, will be touched by, by this. So I think it's time now for everyone and all churches to move on, to think of not only her people staying in the church, but the people around. And, uh, you know, it reminds me always with the character of Jonah. Jonah was a prophet for the Jew. So when he was called to think of Nineveh, he couldn't accept the call. That was strange, and that was not in his character, in his background. But, you know, with the pushing happened by God himself, he was a reason of saving, like, um, uh, 120,000 people. So we have to consider this in all mm. churches. How, how do we t um, tell people about our reach? Because our, our Coptic faith, it's, it's one of the oldest uh, churches yeah. in, in Christianity. Mm. How, how are we able to make that more public and make that more aware? Because Catholics and um, mm. other Orthodox, Greek Orthodox, they ha it feels like they're the ones who are the majority, whereas yeah. Coptic is small. You know, it's not related much to the number of people following the denomination or the uh, whatever, the church, but it's more about um, the, the role model. So if you are a, a really good Orthodox Christian man, people will be affected they can see Christ in your life. And they will come asking why you are different, why you are doing this or that. In our country, although it's not easy to speak about God, but when we, we are in times of fasting, or the neighbors and the, the people around, they ask, why you fast? What kind of fasting? What's your God? Who is your God? And what do you believe in? Did the Bible say, say so? So, you know, th these questions may be the start of delivering the message. Also, using the channels like what you do now is important to tell many people that the Coptic Orthodox Church is one of the oldest churches in history and very traditional. I mean traditional here, the holy tradition. It's an apostolic church. Mm. It's uh, stick to to the holy tradition and the the forefathers of the church. So whoever seeks truth will find his comfort studying our church. Mm. So uh, we have to believe in our church. The richness is there in history, in talks, in the order of the church, in the father's writings, in the life of the saints, in the iconology, the icons, in the Coptic songs. So we are rich in many things. And uh, thank God in the last few years, we had experience with many people in Asia and Africa that they were, uh, you know, um, they loved so much the music of the church and the system of the church, the, the, the rituals, they believed in in the teaching of the church. So actually, it's our part. 
It's not their problem. It's our mm. problem because we do not uh, believe much in this richness of our church. Yeah, I think yeah. One of the biggest things for me is like um, when when you tell someone that you're Coptic Christian, they they just say, "What's that?" They don't yeah. they don't know, and it's yeah. just it's amazing that our our church is the o- one of the oldest churches yeah. f- f- from existence. Yeah, and yeah, it just hurts. Um, I wanna there's. There's some um, notion where that say people outside of the church are non-believers who look at our Bible and they see many different variations of the Bible. Um, they will open up the New King James Version and it will be different than the Septuagint to all like different versions of the Bible, and they say that how can like how can that be like if God is one how can you that know when you study originally. The New Testament um, was written in Greek, the old Greek language. And the Old Testament, most of it was written in Hebrew language and were translated into Greek like more than 200 years before Christ, the Septuagint. Um, and the early fathers of the church depend upon this Septuagint very much. And they considered this this is the reference of the Word of God. So we have to respect the teaching of our church, that the Septuagint for the Old Testament is our reference. That's why I recommend so much the Orthodox Study Bible, because it's more accurate for us as Orthodox. But you know, in order to understand many of the verses of St. Paul and some of the prophecies, prophets because it's they are not easy in Arabic or not easy in English. You may need to read many translations, many vers- versions of the Bible. Um, but the best way is to read the Bible in its original language. But, but because most of the people do not speak or read Greek or Hebrew, they have to use many versions. And by doing this, they can get the meaning. And moreover, nowadays, we have commentaries of the fathers on all the books of the Old and New Testament. So by referring to these commentaries, we can understand the exact meaning meant by the Holy Spirit in this book. So we need to refer back to the teachings of the fathers of the church. Mm. Yeah. Um, which current social issue do you think is of great importance to the Coptic youth um, worldwide? Uh, <laughs> is there one that... Yeah, maybe, maybe every country has their own yes. sort of... No, but there are some common problems, like, you know, the problem of marrying. Uh, I mean, the chances to marry a good spouse, uh, it's not um, easy now. Yeah. So wherever I go in Canada or USA or Europe or Australia, I always faced by the problem that the girls cannot find the the good guy to marry and the boys, they don't have the chances to marry. And when they think of going back to, to Egypt to have a chance, but that's not, you know, practical, and when they go for mixed marriage, there are some other problems. So the idea of choosing the, the partner, uh, that's a big issue now. It's a hot topic for everyone. And also the big gap between generations, because I could see that we have a, a great problem in parenting. Yeah. Being Egyptian in origin, most of our parents cannot understand the culture here. So they uh, they lose their children. They cannot communicate in a good way. And the gap is getting, um, you know, wider and wider because, you know, um, the, the children and the young people do not respect the parents enough and the parents cannot understand their needs enough. So that's a major point in my opinion. Another social problem I can see that the church has no 
um, clear answers for some of the hot topics like homosexuality and you know pornography sometimes we do not you know um, um, answer with one exact um, strong answer what is our opinion in this mm -hmm. and how to convince our people with our worldview so we have many social problems yes. yeah that was that was a big uh, problem for us in order like how do we because um, we recently in Australia I'm not sure if you know we had a same-sex marriage vote mm -hmm. go through and it was it was hard to f understand where our church was sort of coming from like how can we uh, tell people like mm. we're not hating on yeah. these people it was yeah it was just a bit difficult i think you're right yes. yeah we should do that um just one more question we we've got um so many different um sects of christianity uh you've you have the mormons you have protestants you have christian you have uh, catholics orthodox coptic um is do you think it's uh, it will ever become one again or is it important to become one again um yeah just or should we time. just leave it the same way as yeah. it is um when we go to the words of the lord christ himself especially in chapter 17 in the gospel of saint john he was praying that all believers are one so um, we have to work on this. We dream of being one in Christ. And the early church was one church. Mm -hmm. There was no denomination, no, none called Catholic or a Protestant or Orthodox. Maybe Catholic in the meaning, Orthodox in the meaning, mm -hmm. but not meaning the denomination. So uh, that's a dream of the church. And for any um, any faithful member in the church he should pray for this but you know the most important problem here is we cannot be one without a one face and the one face it's not a new face to to be made to be tailored it's the traditional the apostolic the old faith of the church we are not speaking about rituals languages rites, music, icons, we are speaking about the truth, the doctrine of the church. So when we go back to the first 450 years, there was only one church. You can go anywhere in any country and just join the mass and enjoy the communion because their faith is your faith. Even if you cannot understand language or you you are new for their tradition, I mean here the rites of the church, but for the holy tradition, it was universal, it was one. So um, when we speak about these sects or denominations, we are, you know, feeling like um, the Lord is hurt with this because, you know, he is the God of love and we should love each other. And the 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 Christian love will make everyone united to to others, but this should be on the cornerstone of the one faith, mm. the apostolic um, universal faith. So um, we have to work on this, mm. to pray, and also to make these dialogues between the heads of the churches everywhere, and to discuss the details of the doctrine of each church. But you mentioned some of the churches which we cannot consider as Christian. In our faith, for anyone who does not believe in Christ as God, we cannot consider him Christian. We respect him and love him, but we deal with him not being a brother or sister in Christ because his Christ is very much different than our Christ. Yeah. For us, Christ is God incarnate. But for some of them, he is not more than a man. Mm. Whatever his greatness, but yeah. still a man, you know. Mm. So uh, it looks like uh, the problem of 
different distances between Orthodox, then Catholic, then Protestant, then other cults yeah. which, you know, they do not believe in Christ as mm-hmm. God. So it, it, it seems like gaps or distances. Mm-hmm. So we need to work on this gap between all the Orthodox churches, yeah. the families of Orthodox, then the Orthodox with the Catholic, because originally both churches are apostolic historically. Mm-hmm. Then the, a major step with the Protestant, because, you know, they are not one church. They are thousands of churches, because they do not refer to one synod and they do not refer to to the early church, the tradition. So anyone um, uh, understand the Bible his way, he will make a new church. So that's a major problem because mm-hmm. that's not easy yeah. in the idea of unity. Mm-hmm. So when we speak about the unity of the church, it's a complicated mm-hmm. story. It's not as easy as many people believe that why don't we make the Christmas on one day for all churches and that's it. it it's not as, e- as simple as that. Yeah, I, th- I think from uh, an, a pe- as someone that's an outsider, um, yeah. an atheist perspective, they'll look at it and yes. like yeah. they won't see yes. how that's important. Like yes. it's, it's something easy they can fix, but it isn't. Mm. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Thanks, Abuna. Um We'll be back shortly. Thank you.
Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today we tackle one of the mysteries of the Church that raises a large number of questions among the faithful. We ask the question, why are repentance and confession so important within the life of the Christian believer? Now many ask, what's the point of repentance? Or some will say, how does confession remove my sin? And some even ask, why should I confess to a priest? All of these are sincere questions, and our Orthodox Church provides some great answers for them all. In order to do them justice, we will break them down into a theme of three parts. The first video will address specifically the question of, what is repentance? The second video will speak to the subject of confession and its direct correlation with repentance. And finally, the third video will give us a brief overview of why the Church insists that the true and proper mystery of confession requires a priest or bishop who has been granted the priesthood of Christ. Let us begin with repentance. First, let us define repentance, or what is called metanoia in Greek. Now, this term translated actually refers to a change in mind, or better expressed, it is a change in your noia, or your noose. The noose here is what the early church fathers always referred to as the eye of the soul. What this means for you and I is that repentance is when we redirect our spiritual intellect or our spiritual mind back to God. This by default means that sin is that state in which our direction or orientation is away from God. It is pointed towards sinful passions. Now the church has always described this false direction as a falling away of some sort of the grace of God. This would explain why we have always referred to sin committed by Adam and Eve in the garden as the fall. If the state of sinfulness is therefore categorized by a falling then the process of repentance must therefore be seen as a rising up. Now let's put this into context with the word metanoia, or what we have often heard it said in the Coptic tradition as being called a metania. A metania is the action of rising up from the position of a full prostration. Our rising up, therefore, is precisely what we are called to do whenever we hope to combat sin in our lives. See, for example, the story of the prodigal son as portrayed in the Gospel of St. Luke chapter 15. We all know how the younger son asked for his inheritance and then left his father and wasted his life away in prodigal living. We also know of how he came to his senses and chose to go back to his father. What we should pay attention to, however, is how he expresses this need to go back to his father when he realized the horror he had found himself in. Let's read together from that passage of Luke, chapter 15, verses 17 to 20. 
But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. Twice we hear the word arise and arose. This rising up that we witness in the story is the meaning of repentance. A complete and utter change is adopted, not only in his speech and mindset, but also in his behavior. And ultimately, we witness this rising up in his life. Now, if we are to speak of repentance as a change in direction or a change in your noose, then we must understand that as Christians, we struggle in order to achieve repentance, and we also repent along the way. You see, repentance is both the journey as well as the destination of our salvation. The church labels this phenomenon by stating that there is both a repentance to life as well as a life of repentance. Now, the first is very clearly observed when a person comes to their senses and receives the revelation of Jesus Christ and immediately adopts a change in order to receive this new life that is offered to them. We see this very evidently in the book of Acts chapter 11, where the great apostle Saint Peter tells the story of how the Holy Spirit fell upon men who were considered Gentiles after he spoke to them and how the Lord had revealed to him that what God has cleansed you must not call common. In the same chapter, in verse 18, we read that when the apostles heard these things, they became silent and they began to glorify God saying, then God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. This repentance to life is therefore found in the fact that true life is bestowed upon those who adopt this metanoia, this change in noose, this change in direction. However, according to the Orthodox faith, this is not merely a single moment in time that is forever solidified and once received, it cannot be undone. On the contrary, this repentance must be chosen and acted upon every single moment of our lives, which now makes it a life of repentance. And this is very evident in the lives of the saints who have preceded us. We have many great examples of this in the history of the church who are truly beautiful icons of how to live a life of repentance. Take, for example, St. Moses the Strong and St. Mary of Egypt. Both lived very sinful lives, and we all know their stories. They both also experienced a repentance to life. For St. Moses, this occurred when he was admitted as a brother within the monastic community of Scythes. For St. Mary of Egypt, it was that moment after she had cried to the Theotokos, asking for her intercession, that she was allowed to enter into the church on the day of that feast. However, in both cases, we also see the need for a presence of a life of repentance. For St. Moses, it was in his daily struggles with his passions as a monk. For St. Mary, it was her extreme ascetic approach in wandering the desert for years. In both cases, we see in the lives of these saints the true meaning of change in direction as they are truly great examples of repentance. For us, what we must remember is that our goal is to push forward and to ask the Lord to grant us true repentance, no matter the spiritual warfare that we find ourselves in. St. Macarius of Egypt warns us and tells us the following. It often happens that Satan will insidiously commune with you in your heart and say, Think of the evil that you have done. Your soul is full of lawlessness. You are weighed down by many grievous sins. And then Simicarius warns us. He says, do not let him deceive you when he does this. And do not be led to despair on the pretext that you are being humble. You should answer, I have God's assurance. For he says, I desire not the sinner's death, but that he should return through repentance and live. What was the purpose of his descent to earth except to save sinners and to bring light to those in darkness and life to the dead? What we see here, my beloved, is truly that our Lord has come down for our sakes in order for us to repent and to have abundant life in him. Let us be encouraged and be bold in our struggle, always being assured that the Lord will grant us real change, victory, 
and repentance in our lives. Remember, my beloved, know your faith, live your faith, and teach your faith. And to God be the glory, now and forever, unto the ages of all ages. Amen. Holy Spirit, the perfect Trinity. And uh, that's all the time we have for you guys. Uh, thanks again for joining us. Uh, thanks, Amanda, for coming in and uh, agreeing to be co-host. Uh, hope you enjoyed it. This is your first time. I uh, hope it's... Uh, Many more, and you can be in this seat and Dorna as well hosting. Thank you very much. Um, it was uh, it was really fun having a Dorna Uh Make sure to stay tuned for next week, where we play a few games with him, and uh, we talk about relationships with him. Uh, you don't want to miss that. And we also get him to taste Vegemite. So make sure to stay tuned for that episode. Uh, as always, uh, if you uh, haven't done so already, please subscribe to our Facebook page. Uh, 92.3 FM, 3ZZZ Coptic Youth Radio. Uh, and uh, also uh, subscribe on iTunes to our podcast, uh, 3ZZZ Coptic Youth Radio. That's it from us here, from the 3ZZZ Studios in Melbourne. Uh, see you guys next week. Be with all of you, depart in peace, may the peace of God be with you.